0: Welcome to the podcast of Revival Fires and this, the fullness of time teaching series. We would love to invite you to come and join us at church. We meet at 10.30 a.m. at Revival Fires in Dudley. Come and join us. We know that God has got a plan just for you. Thanks, Trev. Thanks, guys. What a lovely welcome. And it's so good to be here with you guys on a stormy morning. You are the faithful guys who made it out today. Give yourself a hand. Come on. A proper hand. I saw some of you guys walking to the bus like this against the, the wind and the rain. Let's, let's just stretch our hands out to the youth. They've got a great morning as well. Anna's taking the youth, those aged between 18 and 10. Father, we thank you for this rising generation. Bless them. Thank you that you have encounters with them today as well. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Give them a hand. We, we like clapping in this church. We like encouragement in this church. We like, we like excitement in this church. It's really good. Well, as, as Trevor said, we have had a fantastic start of the year looking at this theme of fullness. And it's time for fullness. And as you tracked with us, God has brought us through some great messages. Weren't you just so blessed by last week's message about the missing person and the absent presence? about Jesus being the time of fullness in our lives that Trevor bought. That was fantastic. And, and Anna, do you remember Anna talking about um, the, how we, we can sometimes try and fill our lives with all these different pots? And sometimes there's not enough water to f- pour, pour out into each individual cup. But the Lord has got his presence that he wants to add so that there's always enough. With Jesus, there's always enough for your life. With Jesus, there's always enough for everything that he's calling us to do. And I want to just uh, bring this to a conclusion today with this title. If you're, the, if you're making notes and if you aren't, then you should. Get your phone out. This is the one time I'm going to let you get your phones out. There's a great little app called Notes. I found that when I write, when I, when I write notes, I stay really focused. Which is a good thing, isn't it? And I was so blessed. Oh, last week, um, Bethany, our daughter, she's 12. She was sat on the front row and she was making notes yeah, yeah. of her grandpa's preach. And the best thing about it, you see, this is the thing. You can be relevant. God can speak to you when you're making notes. Even though I'm preaching next week. He's, going, he's going to use <laughs> Beth's notes to preach next week. See, Beth was using emojis to, make, to take the notes. Which is if you don't notice those like funny little smiley faces or maybe it's a dolphin clapping their hands or, you know, just crazy funny things, emotions, emojis. And God, as you take your notes, even though I'm speaking, God, the Holy Spirit is speaking to you today. And he has a message just for you. He has words of encouragement. That's why we like clapping because God wants to encourage you. And my prayer, even as I'm talking, is that we would proclaim the kingdom. But this wouldn't just be a message that is clever words. It would be something that would raise disciples. Yeah. You are here in this church not because uh, you just want to be a, a person on a seat, but you are here because we are raising disciples. We are here because there is a kingdom to be proclaimed. We are here because God's kingdom is advancing and he has a plan for your household. He has a plan for your street. He has a plan for this town of Dudley, this city of Birmingham. He has a plan for the region you're coming from. He has a plan for you even if you're watching online. That is why we want to preach that God would raise disciples in this place. So, um, it's been just a fantastic message, as I've said, living in fullness, but as I've got to talk with many of you guys in the church, as I've got to hang out, maybe it's been at life group, maybe it's been at coffee, just getting to know people, you know what I've realized is that there's been this question that's come up, and here's the question, what do we do in waiting for the fullness? It's so good to believe that there is a fullness coming. And it's so good to hear these messages that God's got a time of fullness and this is the time of fullness. But I've heard many of you saying, Ryan, I'm still waiting for that job interview to come. I'm still waiting for that employment breakthrough to come. What about me when I'm living in the lack of the fullness? I've heard many of you say, right, I'm still waiting for that breakthrough for my family. There's things that I'm just waiting for God to see. And what do I do waiting for the fullness? There's some of you as well, you're just contending for healing. You're, you've, you've sung the words of that song today, you never stop, you never stop working. Yet your body is still not in the place of fullness, but you hold on to that promise. What do you do waiting for the fullness, Uh, waiting for your health miracle, waiting for that housing breakthrough? I've spoken to people even this, uh, this season in their life where they need housing situations to change. They need to see houses released in the name of Jesus. What about all the prophetic words? We love the prophetic in this church, don't we? Because God loves to speak to his people. God made us to be a prophetic people. He made us to be people who know his plans for our lives. But what do we do in the tension and the interim between receiving the prophetic and seeing it lived out in the fullness? So that's the title this morning, Fullness in the Waiting. And I want to use, I want to hang all of this on a fantastic story in the Bible of a man called Joseph. And I'm, I'm going to just uh, paraphrase it to you. I'm going to just uh, tell you guys the story. I'm sure you, many of you know it, but let's just do a quick refresher crash course. If you want to uh, catch up with it later, it's Genesis chapter 37 through to uh, chapter 41. And this is the story of Joseph. He was um, the son of Jacob. The man who God changed his name to Israel, he was uh, some, son number 11. He was the son of Jacob's fa- uh, favorite wife. And it feels weird even saying that in church. I've got to be honest with you. <laughs> but he was Jacob's favorite son. Uh, he was one of his youngest sons. And, and as his favorite son, the father wanted to pour his, his blessing and his kindness upon his life. And do you know what he did? He made him a beautiful coat. It says a very colored tunic. Uh, I was talking with uh, some other friends who, who use uh, different Bible translations, and there's some King James users in the house today. Do I hear an amen? amen. Oh, yes, there are some. And they were like, and then his father made him a raiment. That's a great word, isn't it? A raiment. Uh, there's many different words used, but the father made this beautiful. Coat. It was a coat of many colors. It was a coat unlike any other coat. It was a unique coat. It was a coat that he didn't even make for his other brothers. And as you can imagine, this sparked jealousy amongst the ranks. Not only was the father already favoring this son, but now he was giving this son extra gifts. But then to make things worse, Joseph, and and this part of the story, he's a 17-year-old boy at this point. We've just said goodbye to all the young people, but I don't know if you can remember being 17, uh, I can. I know that you can as well. It wasn't that long ago, really, was it, guys? Being 17, we, we know all the answers, don't we? Being, or don't we? I'm not 17 anymore. <laughs> when you were 17, you knew all the answers. You, you'd you experienced life. You had this great big hope for your future. And and to make matters worse, not only was Joseph favored by his father with this this coat, this raiment, this garment, this mantle, this beautiful jacket. I must say this is a nice jacket today. Thank you, guys. <laughs> he then had this, this youthfulness that almost flaunted it in front of his brothers. And to make it worse, he had a prophetic word through a dream. You all know the word. He had a dream that um, he was out in the fields and uh, gathering up the harvest. And all his brother's uh, wheat sheaths bowed down towards his. And what did he do with that dream? He told everyone, 17-year-old, you know, eagerness. This only got him in more trouble. Then to make things worse, he had another dream. And in this dream, he saw the sun, the moon, and the stars also bowing down to him. Now, even his father at this was disappointed. He said, listen, boy. When am I going to bow down to you? You know, but the Bible says he pondered these things in his heart. Very interesting. This is for free. There is so much similarity between the story of Joseph and the story of Jesus. Even the father Jacob pondering the things in his heart about these dreams. You know, the father took attention of these things, and maybe he didn't. Joseph didn't do it in the right way. He was paying attention, but all of this happened to incite. A problem in the family. And the older brothers are out working in the fields, tending after their sheep. And the father says to, the, to, to J- Joseph, Go check on my boys. I haven't seen them in a while. I hope that they're okay. So out he goes and he looks in one place for them. He can't find them. Eventually he finds them in a place called Dothan. And it's there that the brothers see him coming from afar. They see this shiny, multicolored coat. Let's be honest, it's hard to miss him in the arid desert. Who is this coming? Well, I've seen that, code. It can only be one person. That's the dreamer. That's our brother Joseph. And they come up with a plan. And you know the plan. Let's get rid of this dreamer. We can't stand him amongst us anymore. And they make a plan to throw him into a pit. And the older brother, Reuben, decides that that's okay. But when the brothers aren't looking, he's going to go and save the young boy. But then the brothers see uh, a slave traders coming down from um, from, from somewhere heading towards Egypt um, the Ishmaelites. You know, as I'm telling this story, you guys have probably seen that uh, theatre show, Joseph's the Technicolor Dreamcoat. Would you believe it? I've sung that theatre show two times in my life. I was Reuben, and even yeah, Reuben was the eldest of the children of Israel. <laughs> even as I'm, even as I'm, I'm telling you the story, I'm just remembering all these uh, all these funny funny memories of being much younger, being on stage, full of makeup. Anyway. <laughs> We're going to talk about identity, so it's worth throwing that one in right now. <laughs> so what happens is the brothers decide, no, we're not going to kill the boy. We're not going to him, give him back to the father. Let's sell him into slavery. And they sell him to the Ishmaelites. And here again, this is for free, guys. Do you know what the Ishmaelites were carrying? They were carrying frankincense, embalming spices, and something else that was used for burial. It's like the three kings coming to Jesus. And here's Joseph in a pit, right? So they pull him out of the pit, they sell him to the Ishmaelites, and they take the cloak, the thing that gave him his identity. They tear it, and they dip it in the blood of a male goat, and they bring it back to the father. To Jacob and they say, oh, we don't know what happened. We found this coat out in the, in the, in the, in the um, farmland. Does it look like Joseph's to you? And the father, and this is also interesting, Jacob here is being deceived by a coat, the very thing that he used to deceive his father to gain his blessing. It's funny how the things in the past catch up with us, isn't it? But here's the thing, the, the brothers bring the coat to the father and they say, is this, is this your favorite son? This looks like Joseph's. And he's in, he's in mourning, he's in agony. They think that Joseph is, is dead. But meanwhile, Joseph has been sold as a slave to the, a guy called Potiphar. In Potiphar's house, he is blessed by the Lord. He serves where he's planted. He brings great blessing to his slave's master's house. And throughout the years, they say he was probably working for Potiphar for 11 years. Years, That's a long time, isn't it? That's a long time waiting. 11 years. And in in that time, he is favored. He is blessed. God is with him. He's favored. He's blessed. God is with him. And eventually, he is second in command in part of his house. But here's what happens. I like the Bible for all these kind of details. It says that Joseph was a handsome man. Just let that rest there. So so Potiphar's wife looks at him and wants wants him to lie with her. And I want to bring this up because think about garments. Think about the raiment. Think about identity. Joseph is is a righteous man. Even though he's lived through all this disappointment, he's got a righteousness about him. His character is being worked on. And he runs out of the presence of this lady who wants wants to sleep with him. And he ends up leaving his coat behind. And what does she do? From desiring him, she flips because she's been rejected and she takes this coat and uses it as evidence against Joseph and she takes it to her husband. She takes it to the household. She says, look, this man tried to rape me, basically. And here's his coat. Here's the proof. And what happens just when this poor young boy this now, who's now a man thinks life is getting better, it gets even worse. And all of a sudden now he's thrown into another pit. He's thrown into a prison and he's in this prison for a number of years. During that time People come to him who have dreams, and he interprets their dream correctly, so much so that eventually when uh, the the cupbearer whose dream he interpreted correctly is reinstated with Pharaoh, Pharaoh has a dream. And we we don't have time to go into those dreams. But Pharaoh has a dream and he's asking, is there anyone in this land who can interpret this dream? And eventually, there comes a fullness of time. There comes a moment when this cupbearer says, I must confess my wrongs. I have remembered there is one who can interpret. And Joseph, all of a sudden, is pulled out of the prison. And something very interesting happens. He is shaved he is cleaned. I guess that's not very interesting being cleaned. I mean, I'd want to have a shower if I was going to see a pharaoh or a king or someone high up in government. But he was probably very dirty, but he's shaved, which is unusual for a, a Jewish boy. And then he was clothed again in another robe. And in that state, he's brought into the presence of Pharaoh. And we know the story. He interprets the dreams correctly. He gives a fantastic word of knowledge. And he says, now what you need to do is look for a wise man who can t- see this country through this trial and he gets up, ends up being promoted eventually and finally a time of fullness comes in his life but just just track how long did that take from 17 until 30 that's a long time isn't it 13 years let me tell you, there's even longer times sometimes that the Lord has given us promises and we are in this middle of the waiting. I want you to know, even as we are waiting for fullness, there is still a fullness that the Lord has got for our lives. And I think my first point really, I want, I want to, to, to talk about this, to teach this to you is, number one, who are you wearing? Turn to your neighbor and ask them, who are you wearing? Come on, who are you wearing? You look, you're looking good. Are there any, um, any river islands in here today? Yep, let's take it up a notch. Uh, any Marks and Spencers in here today? Oh yes, what about Chanel? Gucci? Ryan, this oh, I was going to say, this is Dudley. Well, God's going to turn it around. What about your perfume? I'm smelling good today. Who are you wearing? You know, this, the, things that, the things that we wear really define and carry our identity. And I, I was just remembering uh, throughout my life, All the different things that I've worn. Before you guys knew me, I used to be a tracksuit wearing kid. I used to wear the shell suits. You, You remember those shell suits? You remember those like windbreakers? You kind of looked like a giant tortoise in a way, you know. I don't know why. I felt so cool wearing a shell suit, you know. And then as I got older, I became a bushman. I became someone like a Crocodile Dundee. You know, I would I would wear binoculars around my neck. I would have uh, like a bush coat on, and I'd have a knife stuck in one pocket, and a comb stuck in my <laughs> in my uh, my socks. You know. And then as I got older, I, I moved to England, praise the Lord, and I became a skater. You know, like I wore the biggest jeans I could find. My mom thought I was wearing a skirt, you know, like they were just these massive flare jeans. I had a corduroy jacket on. This was my identity. But here's the thing as we get into it, what I wore changed the way I thought. It changed the way I thought about doing what I would do with myself. For example, when I was going through the skater phase, I actually thought I could skate. And at that time, the church revival fires was at the grace center down, down the road. And I thought, down the hill. I thought I'm going to skate down all the way to church one day. So I got my skateboard. I even bought a skateboard. I skated all the way down to church. I fell off. <laughs> I left my elbows halfway up the hill and my knees. <laughs> I never skated again. You know, I got rid of those trousers very quickly. Then then I, then I came through sort of a preppy stage, You know, trying to be a hipster. This was kind of the stage before hipster was a cool thing. I started wearing the tightest trousers I could find. I don't know about you. When you get to a point when you wear tight trousers, you have to moisturize your legs before you put the trousers <laughs> on. See what I'm talking about? Like tight trousers. This is nothing, guys. You know. But in, in that phase, what you do, you start, you start to drink different things. You start to think differently. You start to think, I want to go hang out. What should I do? I'm not going to go hang out at a skate park or, or the bullpen. I'm going to go to a coffee shop. And I'm going to ask her for a flat white and i'm going to hang out with these kind of people and it's going to shape the way that you think it's going to shape the things that you think about the t- the people that you hang out with and and then i'm i'm here right now in whatever style you call this i really don't mind because god's changing my identity from the inside but here's the thing about our identity it's an internal reality before it's an external expression let me say that again our identity is an internal reality before it's an external expression. We, we might, uh, let's use the example of clothes. I might dress like a skater because internally I've seen something in another people group that I like. What about, what about our spiritual identity right now? You know, every single f- step and phase of Joseph's journey, there had to be a change in his garments. He had to lose. He had to step out from the multicolored tunic. He had to leave behind a garment in Potter's first house until eventually he could be found in the presence of the king, robed in a beautiful way. You know what? I think it's really important that we take stock of who are we? What do we look like? Who are we wearing? What are the things that we clothe our minds with? What are the things that we clothe our hearts with? What are the things that shape our thoughts? What are the things that... Determine the way that we respond to circumstances in our lives, because these are the things that God wants us to address in the waiting for the fullness. These are the things that God wants to bring us through into fullness. You know, I brought this with you with me. I must say, it's very cool. I think it looks like a designer scarf, but. This was actually a mantle that Chuck Pierce put on myself and a very similar one that he he put upon Anna at the Secret Place Conference. And just as I've been thinking about this, you know, I actually woke up in one night. And I'll be honest with you, I haven't fully grasped some of what God has been doing in the past with mantles. And I want to talk about this because I think it's going to bring a shift. God woke me up and he says, Ryan, do you know why the mantle is important? And you know, if God asks you a question, you better pay attention. It's not because he wants to see how clever you are. It's because you actually don't know the answer. He's actually about to release something to you. I said, no, no, God, I, I don't know. I mean, if I, if you th- remember in the Bible, people prayed upon pieces of cloth and they carried power. Um, Paul would pr- play, pray on a piece of cloth and it would bring healing to a, a person's life. We've had it even here where we've waved hankies and we've prayed on hankies. And there's people in the room today who have taken those in in faith and put them on sick loved ones and their loved ones have been healed. Some people who even have mental uh, problems totally shifted by a cloth being laid on the pillow. Do you know what? It does carry power. Yeah. It's not just that the piece of material carries power, but it's also that it's an anchor point for your faith. Yeah. You know, we, were, we did the stirring on Friday night. It was fantastic. It was a great meeting. And at the end, what did we do? We dipped our hands in a bucket of water. And at that point, I felt like, yes, I'm in a Revival Fires meeting. Here is something that I can anchor myself in the natural to link to the spiritual. Does that make sense? That's what this does. This is an anchor point for your faith. If you can see something upon you, you know. God is resting on me. God is reclothing. God is shifting and shaping my identity. So here's the thing. When God said, do you know what it really means? And I said, I, obviously not. That's a very wise answer when God asks you those questions. And he said, Ryan, I am reshaping your identity for the season in front of you. And that's when he took me through the story of Joseph. He also took me through uh, the story of Elisha and Elijah. What was the thing that Elijah... Jeh threw upon Elisha to give him a taste, a foretaste of the new identity he was going to walk into. It was his coat, his mantle. That was not, this is just because I'm hot. <laughs> he threw his mantle on him and he gave him a taste. But then what did he do? He took it away from him. What was the sign that Elijah would receive the double portion he was asking for? If the same mantle would fall down from heaven again. There's something about the identity, about the clothing, about the things that we wear. What are you wearing that shapes us and sets us up for this time of fullness? That shapes us up and sets us up into the new season? And you know, it was just... I mean, we can talk about this because we're a church family and, and you guys were there. And if you weren't, you can watch the stream. But if you weren't, I'm going to fill you in on it. Chuck put this upon Anna and I and he, he anointed us and it was so special. Can I be really honest with you? It was one of those moments where I felt like, God, I'm in your timeline. God, I've lived my life up for this. I've given my life not just for a ministry. I've given my life to Jesus. I've given my life to see a people Come into the kingdom. This is you, friends. This is us. I've given my life to serve a church. And here is the moment that God is saying, Now, Ryan, I'm going to let you walk into a new identity. Man, can I tell you, I was excited. Can I tell you, Anna and I went home that night and we were buzzing. We were just both just so overjoyed. Uh, This is going out live, isn't it? It doesn't matter. I even stopped my children from going to a special event to give them here at church so that they could see mom and dad with a mantle on them. I mean, it was just so special. You know, yeah, you can give God a, God a hand for that. But the reason I want to be honest is if this is the things that I have to go through, then let me tell you, I know it's the stuff that God has to take all of us through. Because straight after me having a new identity and God saying, do you know why a mantle is important? Because I'm giving you an identity. I went into a really hard week, guys. I'll be honest with you. My mind, I was thinking... Oh, but Lord, what are people going to think about me in this new position? What, what do people think about me? And Lord, but, but God, I, I, love, I love being doing worship. And I love being a worshiper. And now you're calling me into a new, a new mantle. You're re-identifying me with saying, how am I going to handle that? What am I going to do letting go of something? Father God, um, what, what, I don't really feel any different. I've spent my life waiting for this. And then the next day, it's like nothing's changed. You can feel the same. Do you know what? If I struggle with that, do you know what? Every single one of us can struggle with those same things. And if God is going to bring me through saying there's a new identity, I know he wants to bring us all as a church into a place of a new identity. So, So here's the thing. While we wait on God, he is redressing us. He is reforming us. And he wants to shift off an old mantle that would hold you in an old season. Here's the other thing that happened. I preached at my first conference. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. I had so much fun. My knees were knocking underneath my trousers. You didn't know this. I actually wore broad leg jeans that day. (laughs) Forget the skinny jeans. You didn't see my knees knocking. But, you know, I loved it. And even in the midst of that, do you know the battle the enemy took me through? The battle in my mind, Ryan, are you really going to be good enough? The bar is so high. Man, the bar is high. Ryan, you know, you, you've waited so long for this. Is it really your time? All these things came at me. Ryan, what will people think? And I had to go back to where God took me in the night. And he said, why did I put a mantle on you? Because I have reforming your identity. Let me tell you, we, are stepping, we have stepped into a new year. We are stepping into something new. God wants you to be so free of old mindsets, to be so free of old structures and old patterns that you might be wearing, so that nothing can prevent you from stepping into the fullness that God has for you. Do I have an amen for that? So this word, this word, the garment... There's a wonderful way that you can study the Bible. I'm not a Hebrew scholar, but I'm learning. You can look at the word and you can go through the first time that that word was used in the Bible. It's called the principle of primary mention. And what it does is it shows you a dynamic about what God is saying through his, uh, his language, through his communication with his people. And that word that for the coat that was made for Joseph, do you know the first time that word is used? This just blew my mind. This is what I just love... God and his word and the symmetry he puts in things. The first time it's used, it's when Adam and Eve have sinned in the garden and the Lord has to kill an animal and make them a garment to cover their shame. Let me tell you, the first identity shift that we have to move out of is that you are not the sum of your past. The first identity shift that you have to move out of is you are not the sins of your past. You are not the failures of yesterday. You are not the thing that you struggled with last week. We have to reclothe ourselves and come back to God and say, God, would you clothe me? Even in the place of Adam and Eve's sin, God clothed them with something new. It was a new identity. Some people might say, yeah, but, you know, it wasn't like the glory that they had before. It was as if, um, like, you know the story of Moses. He had to make a veil to cover his face so that people couldn't see the glory decreasing. And it's as if Adam and Eve walking in the Garden of Eden were just covered and clothed with the glory of God. And sure, their sin made, they had to clothe a new identity. But God had a progression. God had a fullness, and we're going to see it in a minute. But the first identity shift is that you are not marked by your past mistakes. When the enemy would want to come uh, in this week and you're at work, maybe you're you're facing that thing where you're waiting for that job. You know, let's just get serious. These are the parts that God wants to bring fullness in your life. You're waiting for your job and the enemy will come and he will say, remember when you messed up that interview last time. What you have to do is say, no, I am not clothed in my failures of the past. I am being clothed right now by the grace, by the forgiveness, and by the covering of Jesus' blood. And I am going to be standing in a new place because God is bringing fullness in my life. Does that make sense? The enemy would want to come and whisper these things. But friends, we are not our past mistakes. The second mention is right here where the father Jacob makes this cloak. And here's the thing. We have to know how to fight for and fight with our prophetic words. That cloak that the father Jacob made for his son Joseph was a prophetic declaration of Joseph's future destiny. It was a prophetic declaration of just, just the majesty that he was going to be in, the honor that he was going to have, the favor that he was going to have. But here's the thing. It resulted in probably the hardest time in Joseph's life. And that's the thing about the prophetic word. By its nature, the prophetic word is a word out of time right now because it comes from the future and it's planted into your today to do what? To pull you into the future. Here's the thing about the prophetic. If we don't know how to handle it well, how to pray for it well, how to bring it towards the Lord, how to bring it even to leadership, the prophetic will be used to stir conflict, to stir competition and to stir comparison. What did it do with the brothers? What did that cloak do with the brothers? It just left them in such a place of jealousy. Let me tell you, um, the prophetic is your potential. It's something that we need to know how to pray into it. We take those prophetic words and we need to literally clothe ourselves with the prophetic word in our minds. When we wake up in the morning, we say, Lord, who have you said that I'm going to be? That is who I am. Lord, what have you said that you're going to achieve for me today? or for this this season of my life. That is what I clothe myself with right now. You know, Catherine sang it even this morning. Uh, I'm the head and not the tail. I will be known as a lover of Jesus. These are some of the, the simplest things that we can never get away from. Your identity is a child. Your identity is a son and a daughter of the Most High. And you need to just clothe yourself with your prophetic words. Take a hold of your prophetic words and clothe them. Clothe yourself with them. When the enemy would want to come and try and cause conflict, you say, no, this is who the Lord has said about me. This is the identity that he has called me into. Does that make sense? The third mention of this word. This this is just incredible because you see the progression of God's grace. The third mention of this word. Now, all of a sudden, this is the clothes that. God tells Moses to make for Aaron and his sons, the priests, because this will be the sign that they are priests in the house of the Lord. Can I get an amen for that? All of a sudden from something that went from covering shame and sin in the garden comes to the place where it is the very thing that qualifies you to stand and to minister in the house of the Lord. Do you know what? See, can you see the progression, even the redemption? The Lord wants to take the things that you struggle with in your identity, and he wants to bring them into such a place that they become the very purpose for which you were made. Your purpose, friends, like Trevor said last week, is to know the Lord Jesus. Your purpose is to be clothed with the high calling of ministering to Jesus. A couple of interesting things about this. Number one, in every single example... It's the Father who makes the cloak for the Son. Let me tell you, Father God has created an identity for you that you can step into, that you can clothe yourself with today. Why does Father God do it? Because He does not want you to be self-reliant. He does not want you to have to be independent. He does not want you to have to strive to know who you're going to become. All you have to do is to seek the Lord. And it's the Father who puts that mantle upon you it's the father who covers you with his identity no matter what you're going through come back to the father and let him wash away self-reliance let him wash away independence because he has got a covering for you and this is this is a reality an internal reality that brings about an external expression isn't that good our identity really we've been born again that's who we are We are born again as sons and daughters. And I love this because whether we gave our lives to Jesus last month, or whether we've been a Christian our whole lives, this is something that God wants to lead all of us through. Our identity is continually changing. And you know what? Who you were in the past, there was nothing wrong with that. But who you were in the past is not going to get you to where God wants you to be. You need to tell yourself that. Even as God is shifting and talking about mindsets and who who are you wearing... It's not that there was something terribly wrong with the past. It's that God has got something so new for you. And, you know, I love to even think about this and say, where is this in Jesus' life? You know, we just talked about him being our highest calling. Well, let me tell you, Jesus talks about this beautiful parable, the parable of the prodigal son in Luke 15. And what does the Father God do to the son when he runs back home, when he's realized all the things that he's done wrong? The, The Bible says that he clothes him. With his coat. God has got an identity. A clothing just for you. You're going to put it on in the spirit. And I'm telling you. It's going to feel like you're wearing a Versace. Versace. I mean, it's going to fit you. It's tailor-made. It's just right for you. You're not, you're not going to move around it and things are going to get caught. You're going to feel so alive in the identity that God has for you. And that's what he wants to do, even in the interim of coming into fullness. is because he's shifting some things in our lives to get us prepared for it. So um, whose image do you carry in this season? You know, God made us to be image bearers. He wants us to carry his image. That's why identity is so important. And we need to declare over ourselves that God is reclothing me. God is reforming me. Uh, and that I will step out of my comfort zone and into the new. Amen? Why don't we just say that? Let's say that I'd say God is reclothing me. God is reclothing me. God is reforming me. God is reforming me. And I will step out of my comfort zone. I will step out of my comfort zone. You know, I I had, um, the ladies had breakfast yesterday, I heard it was a fantastic brunch. Yeah? It was like revival had broken out, because we were at home waiting for them to come home, and they just didn't come home. It was amazing. But I was chatting with Trevor yesterday, and um, I said to him, it's quite unusual that I'm in my normal jeans on a Saturday morning, because normally I will come home, and I will put... My pajamas on. There's a confession. I will put my comfortable clothes on because there's something so comfortable sometimes about the old, slack, just simple clothes. But you know what? God wants us to step out of our comfort zones if we're going to step into His fullness. So even as we go through and we tie up this season of fullness, don't worry if you might feel like, "But I haven't achieved it yet." Because what God is doing, even as we keep this message as a foundation for the rest of the year, God is going to be reforming things in your life. It might even feel uncomfortable. But that's because sometimes we have to let go of the old identity. Sometimes we have to let go of what could hold us back in the last season if we're not going to move forward. Amen? Here's the second point. Patience is what you do in the waiting. Everyone say the word patience. Patience is what you do in the waiting. Now, now ladies, um, just bear with me. I'm not My wife, Anna, is not here. She's doing the youth. Normally, I would look over at her at a point like this when I tell you a story like this, and she'd give me the nod, and I'd know that we were safe to go for it. But uh, let's just talk about patience for a minute. Men, you're already in the morning. Maybe it's a Saturday. You're going out somewhere. You've got a nice coffee lined up. You're dressed. You've got your shoes on. You've done your hair. You sat by the front door with the keys in your hand, and your wife is upstairs. She is putting her makeup on. She is doing her hair. She is painting her nails. She is um, straightening her hair. And there's these little signs that, that happen. I'm, I'm downstairs waiting for Anna. And like I said, she, I appreciate every minute that she takes getting ready. Because when she walks down those steps, I'm like, oh yeah. That was <laughs> worth the wait. But here's the, the There's little things that happen. Like the, the hair dryer, will, will, the, sorry, the straighteners will be ready to be used. And you hear a little... Beep beep beep, and you're like, okay, I know in the process now she's at the straightness time, and then, um, then maybe you know, I'll hear a scrape along the table, which means I know, okay, she's finished done her eyeliner and she's pushed the mirror away. She's about to do the next step, and I'm like, okay, I know where I am. But here's the thing, guys, this is when we learn what patience is about. Patience is not just about waiting. Patience is about what we do. In the waiting. Now, ladies, I thought long and hard about this because you know what? You can have the same thing. For Anna, it's when I say I'm coming home from work at five o'clock and another email comes in or um, I've just got a creative flow of a graphic and I just forget that I said I'd come home at five o'clock and I'm still working. Or maybe I'm halfway through a song set list and I'm just loving being in the presence of God. And all of a sudden, I look at my watch and it's half past five. I'm like, okay, where is Anna? Where, where am I? And I'm thinking, how many times has Anna called me? You know, even for you ladies, there's things that you think, where, where is my man? Where is my guy? What's taking the time? And it's in those moments, this is a funny story I know, but here's the point, where we learn that patience is not just the art of waiting. Patience is the wisdom of what to do in the waiting. You see, I've, I've learned that if I just sit there and wait, I'm going to get bored. I'm going to twiddle my thumbs. I'm going to start thinking, what is taking you so long? I'm going to think, what's going on? But I can actually think, oh, I'm going to read my Bible in this time. I'm going to think, oh, I'm going to get on that email that I haven't done. I'm going to think, oh, I'm going to do the dishwasher. And all of a sudden, that's exactly what Anna was waiting for. Now I'm joking. I'm joking. But it's a funny story. But here's the thing. What the Lord was teaching Joseph is what to do in the waiting. And and here's the message. While we are waiting for the fullness, God has got something for you to do. While we are waiting for the fullness, God has got something for you to do. You see, sometimes we think so black and white, so yes and no. We think God said this prophetic word over my life, and now I'm waiting for it to come into fullness. no. God said this prophetic word over your life because he wants you to walk out a journey step by step of growing, of changing, of being transformed, of coming into his likeness, of being his kingdom shifter and shaper. And by the time you reach where you think you're going, all of a sudden you think, God, your blessing for me was not just in the prophetic word, but in the journey. Does that make sense? Patience is what we do in the waiting. Patience is linked with testing. Testing. Oh, there's something nobody likes to hear. <laughs> Patience is linked with testing. Joseph was tested to a measure that I am so grateful to the Lord I would never had to do. I've never had to sit in a prison. I've never been accused of the things that have been accused. I have a brother, but he's never beaten me up, sold my clothes, and given me to slavery. You know, there's testing but that we've had to go through, but there is another level of testing. And Here's the thing. You do not progress until you pass the test. I mean, we, you go out for a driving license, you're not going to get the driving license until what? Till you pass the test. You sit in college, you're not going to get your degree until what? Until you pass your test. You're going for a job interview, you're not going to get the job until what? You pass the test. The test is the interview. We don't like tests, let's be honest. But the progression does not come until we pass the test. So patience is knowing even in times of testing, not to get disheartened, not to get discouraged, but to say, Lord, what are you doing in my life? Here's the thing. Patience builds character and God is more interested in your character than just in you as receiving and arriving at your prophetic destiny. Can I have an amen for that? Amen. God is interested in your character. He is so interested in what you are becoming. And that's what we need to work on in waiting for the fullness. We don't just think, God said it, I'm waiting for it to happen. No. We say, God, what is the journey you have me on right now towards that fullness? You know, it struck me. I think someone prayed this in the prayer meeting this morning. Hebrews 13. Have you read it? Sorry, that was a rhetorical question. Yes, Ryan, you've read it because you preached on faith two years ago. Have you noticed, at the end of that passage, the writer of Hebrews says, and none of these men of faith received what they were promised. Whoa. But yet, They were still men of faith, but yet they were still uh, living for, the, the Bible says, living for a country, a citizenship that was not on earth. You know what? There might even be some things that we might not see the fullness of yet, but that's the beauty of it. It's not about the destination. It's about fullness in the journey. It's about knowing what to do in the waiting. God can move with people who are already moving. Oh, this is amazing. You see Joseph didn't just sit in part of his house in the corner thinking, "Woe is me. This is not where I'm meant to be. God has a plan for me. Don't you know I had a dream that you would bow down to me?" He didn't do that. He got up and he served. He got up and he worked. He was a man of movement. He moved where he was. And let me tell you, God is attracted to movement. If you are already moving, God will find it so easy to take what you're doing and to say, yeah, I'm glad you're moving. You've got momentum. Let me just direct you. Dance is not there. It's just over here. Oh, hang on. It's just over there now. Now it's over there. And there we go. We've reached the destiny. That's so much easier for God to do. You guys look great coming down here. I know why you're doing now. This is good. God does it because he wants, he's attracted to movement. And it's easier if you're already moving for God to move you. So we need to get over our disappointment. We need to get over our dissatisfaction. Here's the thing. We need to grow where we're planted. We need to serve where you're standing. And you need to love those in front of you. Grow where you're planted. It might not be the final destination. But that's the whole point of the journey. God's got a portion of fullness for you right now. There, don't get stuck in dissatisfaction. Serve where you're standing. In every single step of Joseph's story, you see that he gave himself. He served. He was he was just incredible. He didn't fall down in despair. He just said, This is where I am, this is what I'll do, and I'm gonna keep doing it. And God could work with him, God could move him, God could change him. Here's the third point our expectations are not always God's expression oh, this is a big one. You know, How many times do we expect something and we miss what God's doing because our expectations are not what God wants to express. Let me go through with you a little bit. Joseph's life didn't look as he expected after his dream. Even at the very end, I said this in the story, here's Joseph, he's called out of prison. He had to shave. Why is that mentioned in the Bible? Let me tell you. Culturally, A a Hebrew boy would keep his beard because it was a sign of his identity. It was a sign of of honor and covering. It was a sign of maturity. Yet, to fulfill the dream that he had 13 years before, he had to lay aside. He had to step into an uncomfortable place. He had to shave his beard. He had to look like an Egyptian. To step into his his fullness. We can be so uh, afraid of not doing something because it doesn't look how we expected. And let me tell you, in the midst of that, we can miss what God wants to do. Does that make sense? Don't give up too soon. Don't be trapped by your expectations. Um, You know, I was thinking about this. When we expect the wrong thing, we're actually aligning ourselves really with the enemy. Because the enemy never expected that the crucified Jesus would be the very way that he would win victory for everyone. The enemy never expected that as Pharaoh was chasing God's people through the sea, that it would fall on them again. You know, Nahum never expected that the gallows he would build would be the very thing that would hang him. You know, Nebuchadnezzar, he never expected that the fire that he threw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into would be the very thing that resulted in his salvation. He never expected that. Let me tell you, when you look and when you're facing the trials that you go through in the season leading to fullness, you're in good company if you didn't expect it. You're in good company when you can look at the trials and say, oh, I didn't expect that, but God is going to turn this around for for some good. I didn't expect this to be such hard work, but I know that God works with those who are in moving. I didn't expect to have to be suffering this right now, but God is increasing something in my life. God is shifting stuff in my faith. It doesn't matter. You might be saying, I can't get that housing situation right now, right at the moment. I don't know what to expect. That's good. You look at it and you say, God, I might not have expected this, but I know that you work with the unexpected. I know that you can shift things. I know that you can turn things around. And I know that I'm clothed as an overcomer. Does that make sense? Don't worry if it doesn't match up to your expectations. And here's what I really believe God wants to say. He's going to, we're going to come into seasons ahead where we, we say this. We say it's not what I expected, but it's better than I could imagine. I do not can't tell you how many times I've said that in my life. Being a dad, be honest with you, it's not what I expected. I mean, when they're small, they don't sleep. <laughs> I mean, I mean, being being married sometimes, I'm like, it's not what I expected, but it's better than I could have imagined. Working out the destiny that's God's given in my life. I often tell people and they say, Ryan, how did you end up where you are right now? And it's funny because I feel like God took me through the back door of destiny. Like if I had said, this is where I want to be. And I had planned it out. I would have done this. And I would have done this. And then I would have gone this college. And I would have done this. And I would have worked done this. But God said, no. It's not how you expected. He's, he's got a plan for you. And here I stand. And I can tell you honestly, it's not what I expected. But... It's better than I imagined. You know what? Don't let your expectations of what the fullness looks like bring you short of the fullness God wants to bring in your life. He has got a fullness for you. He's got a destiny for you. And it is better than you could ever hope or imagine. Uh, Give him praise for that. I'm telling you. Even waiting for your fullness, he has a portion of fullness for you today. That's our God. And here, here's, the, um, here's the final point. God is always with you. I, I'm going to read this from the actual story. You know, this is Genesis 39 and it says four times in one chapter, the Lord was with Joseph. So he became a successful man and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. Now his master saw the Lord was with him and that the Lord was with him and the Lord had caused him. To prosper, in verse 21, the Lord was with Joseph, verse 23, and the Lord was with him four times. You know what? The biggest fullness we could ever have in our lives is not the receiving of our destiny, the success, the fulfillment. It's knowing that the Lord is with you. You couldn't have anything better than that. That is the fullness. And that is something that God wants to rest upon us every single day. The Lord is with us. Jesus is the greatest measure of fullness that we could ever ask for. Don't let him be the missing person or the absent presence. God is the fullness. You know... Joseph was 30 years old when he stepped into this place of fullness. Jesus was 30 when he started ministering. And when he ministered, there's something amazing that happened. He was led by this, full of the Spirit, led into the place of trial, testing, temptation. None of, that, none of us like that. But he came out in the power of of the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you there is a fullness of the Holy Spirit that he is working in you, that he is working through you as we use this as a foundation for this season of stepping into fullness, that there is a fullness of the Holy Spirit just for you. There is the fullness of the Holy Spirit for your life.